Almighty God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives and our ministry together. We bless you and we honor you and we praise you. Lord, we continue to pray for our nation in this crisis that it's in. And we pray that you would accomplish your will for our nation in this season, in this time. And we pray, Lord God, for our city, for London, especially for the seven and a half million people around us who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We pray for a mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit that many of those would come into your kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ by your grace. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you that it's trustworthy. We thank you it's true. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would rest on me to bring your word to your people today and that you'd help us to respond in obedience. We love you and we praise you. We worship you and adore you. And we thank you for all of this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Before I start reading, I, I just wanted to, to mention uh, three of my, my brothers, Dan and Tomica and Sasha are here from Zagreb in Croatia. Raise your hands, guys. So... Uh, uh, they just came for the weekend to uh, bring me food from Dubravica, my favorite bakery in Zagreb, and I really appreciate that. I feel a little bit like David did when he asked for a drink of water, and the guys went and they, you know, they they brought back some water. Uh, but you know, unlike David, I didn't pour the Dubravica on the ground; I ate it. Uh, so that's a, you know, that's a proper response there. But I'm really proud of these guys. Uh, you know, we. Many times we prayed for the church there, as you know, and we've spent a lot of time there. And, and these guys have really been faithful, and they've been strong, and they've stood strong through adversity. Uh, and uh, they're leading their churches, and the Lord's doing some mighty things. And so I'm really excited that they're here and uh, just excited to be sure to greet them. They'll be around for lunch today, so you get a chance to talk with them and everything and find out all about them. So uh, Dan is my twin. I don't know if you'll notice that. Uh, he's my twin, although I, I've retained my hair a little bit better than my younger twin. But uh, <laughs> so, but you know, that's uh, when I when, before I met Dan, every, everybody was saying, "Oh, your twin is here. Your twin is here," and you know, and then I I met him and said, "Oh, it's you." My mother said that there was another one, but uh, anyway. Uh, so anyway, let's go to the Lord uh, here with Galatians uh, chapter 3, starting with verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if it indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, 
those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it's written, Cursed be anyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it's written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And then let's turn over to 1 Timothy. The first chapter. And we'll start with verse 3. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I think as a lot of guys, I didn't really appreciate my dad uh, when I was growing up. Uh, we never had a really close relationship, but now as I, I've gotten a little bit older, I tend to appreciate him uh, quite a bit more. And one of the things, uh, among several things, that my dad taught me was to take care of your tools. I mean, my dad was a plumber, as many of you know, and uh, so he made sure that his tools were always stored properly. Uh, he made sure that they were cared for well. Uh, and, uh, you know, for him... Uh, the tools, you buy good quality tools, and those tools should last you for a very long period of time if you take care of them. Uh, and even today, you know, I've learned that lesson, not so much uh, with my own tools like my hammers and, and screwdrivers and such, although I still have those. I still have a, a wrench that my father gave me back uh, oh, probably 30 or more years ago, and it's still working well. It's in my drawer, and I use it all the time, and I'm grateful for it. But for me, my tools are things like my computer and my phone and, and things like that. My dad also taught me uh, about the car, you know, to take care of your car. Uh, he, he gave me a car when I was uh, uh, going off to college. It was an inexpensive automobile. Uh, but I had to take care of it. I had to make sure the oil was changed, it was properly maintained, the tires had air in them, and all of that. And even today, I appreciate that. I see some people that just let their vehicles, they, they just kind of run them into the ground until they completely fall apart, and they never do anything about them. And those kinds of things I learned from my dad, and I'm really, really grateful having learned about that because I see so many people who don't take care of their tools, they don't take care of the things that they have, but for me, this has always been a key issue of stewardship. 
Now, I have a stewardship over the things, over the resources uh, under my care, in my possession, and I needed to exercise good stewardship. And I've learned over the years that if I exercise a really good stewardship, a really good care of those things under my control, that they tend to last longer, they work better, and most importantly, when I'm in a time of crisis, a, really, a real need, <clears throat> these things tend not to fail me. Because that's often what happens. You know, if you're not taking care of your tires, for example, it's not when it's sitting on the side of the street that they tend to fail you. It's when you're going 70 miles an hour on the motorway that they can tend to blow out, and then you're in, in real trouble. And so I'm very thankful for that. But often what we don't realize, and we all understand this concept of stewardship, but what we don't realize is that we also have what I, I think in the similar in the words of the Apostle Paul would be what's called a faith stewardship. A faith stewardship. And we all have received this faith stewardship from the Lord, and we must exercise this faith stewardship by faith, otherwise we will be ineffective. And I think one of the reasons why many Christians are ineffective in their life, ineffective in their walk with Jesus, is because they've received this faith stewardship, but they've not exercised it, they've not used it, they've not cared for it, they've not governed it by faith. And this whole series we've been talking about walking by faith, living by faith. And you'll remember our definition of faith, Christian faith, is choosing to trust and to act often beyond our natural abilities based on a true knowledge of God and God's ways founded in relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Christian faith is all about. It's the choice to trust in God to believe what he says, and then to act on the basis of our belief. If you don't act, you don't really believe. And this faith stewardship is an area of our lives that has been given to us by God that we need to care for out of faith, from faith, using faith, exercising our faith. It's all about faith. And that's what Paul is talking about to Timothy there in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1. He tells him, don't get involved in stupid stuff. Don't get involved in endless genealogies. Don't get involved in talking about the law and, and messing around with that. Don't get involved with, you know, what day is Jesus going to return on? Uh, it's probably going to be a Tuesday. But, you know, don't get involved with that. Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't get caught up on these kinds of things. Instead, you have a stewardship that is from faith. Now, a stewardship is really, it's a place in the household of God. The word uh, stewardship comes from the word house or the word household. And the household in the ancient times was not just mom and dad and the two kids. The household was the entire life of the family. And it would include mom and dad and the kids and grandma and grandpa and probably some aunts and uncles. And it would include servants and it would include guests in the house. Uh, and it would include everybody that was connected to that family, to that home. They were part of the household. And so God, uh, so Paul tells Timothy, he says, Timothy, 
you have been given by God a stewardship, a place in God's household that you need to exercise by faith. In other words, a faith stewardship. And just as we have a job that we have to steward, and just as we have a home that we have to steward, and just as many people might have an automobile that we have to steward, and other relationships that we have to steward, we have a place in the household of God that we are required to steward by faith. And if we fail to steward our place in the household of God, we will not fulfill God's purposes and plans in our lives. We each one have that. It's not just an optional thing about a gathering together you know, on a Sunday morning and singing a few nice songs. It's about exercising the stewardship that we've been given in the household of God. And that stewardship for each of us is slightly different. It's exercised in different ways. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to be a pastor, or everybody's going to be a preacher, or everybody's going to be an elder, or everybody's going to be a deacon, or anything like that. It means we all have a place, we all have a purpose, we all, and sometimes our place and our purpose will even have seasons. I've known some people, for in their seasons when their children are young, one of their primary stewardships in the household of faith is actually to care for their kids and make sure that they grow up knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And as that begins to happen, and those kids begin to get older and begin to re be released in their own calling, then oftentimes God will shift our stewardship. The important point is, though, that every single one of us has a stewardship by faith, a faith stewardship in the household of God, and we need to discern what that is and engage in that faith stewardship by faith. It's essential for us. And many Christians, they don't have a clue what their faith stewardship is. And so your first responsibility is to seek the Lord. And the great thing about this is, if you ask the Lord, what is my faith stewardship, the Lord will begin to show you. If your faith stewardship, though, is something that's comfortable and easy for you, it's probably not God. Because God loves to stretch us. I mean, for Timothy... It would have been pretty easy for Timothy just to get involved in these debates about uh, points of doctrine and theology and genealogies and, and all of these kinds of things. It's really easy to do that. But Timothy had a deeper challenge, and actually, when you look at First and Second Timothy, in a sense, both of these letters from Paul to Timothy are training, teaching, exposing Timothy to his faith stewardship and encouraging Timothy to walk in that faith stewardship. So you have to be seeking the Lord on this and seek to identify your faith stewardship. Do you know what it is? And are you walking it out? Do you know what it is? And are you walking it out? And many Christians don't know what it is, so they're not walking it out. And many other Christians do know what it is, but they let their faith stewardship take second place to other areas of their life. And the faith stewardship has to be a primary concern for us as the people of God. And Paul says the purpose of this faith stewardship, what is the goal, what is the outcome, what is the purpose? The purpose, according to Paul, is the outflow of love. 
That's what Paul says. He says, the aim of this charge about your faith stewardship, the aim or the purpose of this is love. So we have a faith stewardship and our faith stewardship should result in people experiencing the love of God in Jesus Christ. That's pure and simple what it is. And as people experience the love of God in Jesus Christ, we're exercising our faith stewardship. And if people are not experiencing the love of God in Jesus Christ, coming from us, coming from their contact with us, their encounter with us, then we are not exercising our faith stewardship. The primary purpose for God to give us a faith stewardship is that love can be expressed throughout the body of Christ and that love will be expressed by the body of Christ to the world. So sometimes your faith stewardship that God gives you might be the way that you engage in the marketplace, the way that you engage in your job. So God can give you a faith stewardship where you come into the, into the church gatherings to be trained, to be equipped, to be encouraged. You minister to one another, but you have a primary exercise out in the world, in the business world, in the marketplace, and you engage in that faith stewardship. But the key thing is, it's not just doing your job. It's so that other people experience the love of God in Jesus Christ as you do your job. So if you're doing your job and you do your job well, but nobody knows that they're experiencing the love of God or nobody notices any difference in you in how you do your job or nobody experiences anything differently from you in how you do your job, then you're probably not fulfilling your faith stewardship. Does that make sense? So it's key for us to begin to look at this and to begin to evaluate this and, and sometimes it's very tricky. Sometimes we don't always know right away. I remember one of the most important moments, I think, for me here in London was uh, well over 10 years ago now. I was at a, a conference uh, that was conducted by Management Futures. It was owned by Alan Rogers, who used to be a member here before he went to be with Jesus. And it was a, a, a week-long training on team coaching. And uh, at the end, we were to go around and encourage each other with things that we see in, in other people, this kind of thing. And I remember this one guy, for the whole week, he was, he was one of these contrarians, always wanted to stir up trouble and have arguments and things like that. I found him quite interesting, but, uh, but he was that kind of guy. And he walked up to me and just totally stunned me. He walked up to me, looked at me and says, you are a mountain of love. I thought, how cool is that? <laughs> you know, I'm a mountain of love. Was, but it was just stunning to me that he perceived the love of Jesus Christ flowing through me. You know, that's the kind of thing. And I don't share that to say, oh, you know, I'm a mountain of love, everybody. Uh, I share that to say that is the kind of experience that people need to have when they encounter us outside the walls of the church. And it's also the experience that people need to have when they encounter us inside the walls of the church. You know, but inside the walls of the church, we kind of behave more like brothers and sisters who fight like cats and dogs sometimes, more than we do uh, people who love one another. But that's the whole issue. That's what Paul says. The purpose of our faith stewardship is that people will experience love 
And this love is going to come out of a pure heart. In other words, we're not showing people love to get something. We have pure motives. If you're going out and you're trying to exercise your faith stewardship, for example, in your workplace in order to get a promotion, that's not a pure heart. So it has to be a pure heart and a good conscience. In other words, you need to be sure that you're not doing anything wrong, that you're not holding any sin in your heart. So, for example, if you're trying to exercise your faith stewardship at work and, uh, and you're really feeling jealous of another person, your conscience isn't pure. So you need to repent of that sin. You need to deal with it. So a pure heart, a sincere conscience, uh, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. In other words, this has to flow out of who you really are in Christ. Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you believe that you're significant, secure, and accepted in Jesus Christ? Do you know that you're a saint, a holy one? That's what he means by a sincere faith. So we have a stewardship, a faith stewardship, that should result in people both inside the church and outside the church experiencing the love of God in Jesus Christ. And in order for that to happen, we have to be people who have a, a, a pure heart, that means holy motives. We need to have a, a, a clean conscience dealing with our sin and a sincere faith. And in order to exercise our stewardship, we must do what Paul is saying here in Galatians, and that is we must practice what's called hearing with faith. We must practice hearing with faith. This is one of the ways that we exercise our faith stewardship. Right now, you all have heard the first half of the message. The question is, are you going to do something about it? If you don't know your faith stewardship, are you going to ask the Lord? Uh, if you know your faith stewardship and you haven't been doing it, are you going to repent and say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that, so that I can do this? If you've realized that you've been trying to exercise your faith stewardship, but people haven't been experiencing the love of God in Jesus Christ, you're going to say, how is that going to happen, God? What am I going to do tomorrow? How am I going to apply this? See, if you're not asking those kinds of questions, you've just heard, but you've not heard with faith. What you have to do, we all have to hear what the Lord is saying and then use faith to walk in what the Lord has just spoken over our lives. And if we don't do that, we won't fulfill our faith stewardship. So we have to practice this hearing with faith. And that's what Paul is talking to the Galatians. Now, the primary reason he's writing to the Galatians is that these guys, they had started with, with God, they had been saved by grace through faith, and then some people came in and say, uh, hey, we're Jewish believers, and actually, if you're not following the Ten Commandments and doing all the law and keeping all of that, you're not really pleasing to God. And so the Galatians, they said, oy vey, 
if that's the case, then we need to follow the law. And there became a, a rose up a division amongst them. And some of them were saying, oh, we got to keep the Sabbath. We've got to do all the Jewish holidays. We've got to follow all the observances. And others were saying, no, we don't have to do that. We're free. And so there was a lot of debate and discussion. And even Peter, when he came to, to visit uh, the church, uh, even Peter was falling into this legalism. And Paul had to correct him and rebuke him. Uh, to get them out of that. And so that's why Paul is writing this letter, to get them out of their legalism. But in the passage we read today, Paul talks about this dynamic of hearing with faith. And for them, the first way they heard with faith is when they heard the good news about Jesus Christ, and they responded to that good news and said, okay, we want to follow Jesus. We want to be his disciples. They heard with faith, and they responded to that, and they went into the kingdom. But that's not all. Then Paul says, how about the Holy Spirit? If you want to be filled with the Spirit, if you want to be empowered with the Spirit, and by the way, the only way that we can fulfill our faith stewardship is by being filled with, empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how does that happen? Well, they were filled with the Holy Spirit when they heard and applied faith to the hearing. So they heard about this Holy Spirit, and they said, okay, God, there's a Holy Spirit. We believe it. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happened. And so the Spirit of God filled them and empowered them to now live for Jesus. They heard the message, and they applied faith to the message they were hearing, and they began to walk into it and they experienced the promise, the fulfillment of the promise. They were hearing with faith. But that's not the only, the only way. I, I felt there just a little bit like one of those infomercials. Well, wait, there's more. But there is. You know, there, there's more. I mean, there wasn't, there were, they came into the kingdom by hearing with faith. They were filled with the Spirit by hearing with faith. And then they went on and they started seeing miracles happen. There were signs, there were wonders. People were getting healed. Demons were being cast out. People were being set free from the power of sin. Amazing miracles were happening. How did they happen, according to Paul? They happened because the Galatians were hearing with faith. They heard about what Jesus did. And remember what the apostles were doing, and this includes Paul, they would travel around and they would teach the people to obey everything Jesus commanded them. And what did Jesus command them to do? One of the things was heal the sick. Sometimes people think that healing the sick and these kinds of things, they were reserved for the apostles, but that's not biblical. The apostles, they went out and in their teaching, they said, Jesus did this. He ministered in this way, and this is the way that you should minister. By the way, when we come back after Easter, uh, I'm gonna, the next part of this series is going to have a different title, but it's going to be about ministering with faith, not just walking by faith, but we're going to talk about ministering by faith in God and what that, what that entails and how Jesus did that. Uh, but that's what the apostles were teaching them. And because they were doing the stuff that Jesus told them to do by faith, they heard the stories and they started to do it. So they heard the stories about Jesus healing the sick 
And they said, well, wow, you're sick. Well, I remember this story where Jesus healed the sick, so maybe I should pray for you. And they'd pray, they would apply faith to what they heard, and they'd do something about it, and the sick were being healed. Now, that doesn't mean everybody was being healed, but many people were being healed. There were many signs and wonders that were being done amongst the Galatians because they were hearing with faith. And Paul goes on to say, not only with all of these things, the, the other thing is if you hear with faith, the blessing that was on Abraham becomes your blessing as well. And this is one of the most amazing things. Remember the blessing on Abraham, according to Paul. God spoke to Abraham. Abraham applied faith to what God spoke to him. And one of the things that God spoke to him is in you shall all the nations of the world be blessed. That same promise is upon the people of God who hear with faith. That's what Paul's saying here. He is saying that if we hear with faith, the promise that was on Abraham to be a blessing to the nations is now on the church, is now on us. We exist not only to bless one another, but God has called us into being as the church of Jesus Christ, as the body of Christ, as the people of God. God has called us into being so that as we hear with faith, we will bless the world around us. And every day, Christians are doing this. Every day here in London, every day around the world, Christians are hearing with faith so that they actually go out and do what they're hearing about. And God turns up in his power and accomplishes his purposes. As you exercise your faith stewardship, the one that God has given you, particularly by hearing with faith so that you respond and actually do something about it, God not only saves you, but fills you with his Holy Spirit. He will do miracles through you, and he will use you to bless the nations because that is together the promise of God on our lives. And what do we hear? I mean, we hear primarily the Bible is God's word. What the Bible says, we listen to it, and we apply faith to it, and we start to live it out. But it's not only there. God also speaks to us individually. And when we apply that, when we hear the word God speak to us, and then we apply faith to that, God works through that. Well, I think one of my, my failures, I, I told a good thing, so I'll tell a, a failure story. I remember years ago, I walked into a, a branch of our, our bank at the time. This is back in the United States. Uh, and it was a small branch, and there was only one person working at the time, and she was sick. And, uh, and I really felt the Lord say, Rod, pray for her to be healed. And I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have the faith. I didn't apply the faith to what I heard. And eventually she got well, I'm sure. But I always regret that. I wish I would have applied faith to that hearing just to see what God will do. 
That's the kind of risk that we need to take. That's the kind of risk God calls us to, to engage in hearing with faith. But it's really important that we remember what Jesus says here. And this is absolutely essential. I just want to read it to you. It's from Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Jesus says, Take care then how you hear. Take care how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Jesus is talking as well about hearing with faith. This is part of our stewardship. Take care how you hear. Because if you hear with faith and you step out on that, the promise is, Jesus says, you'll get more. You'll get more. But if you do not take care how you hear, if you refuse to apply faith to your hearing, in other words, then even what you think you have, you're going to lose. It's a, Jesus could summarize it today by saying, use it or lose it. And it's an important caution for us as the body of Christ. Over the years, I have seen many Christians who started well, who heard with faith, who had a faith stewardship and sought to exercise their faith stewardship by faith so that people would experience the love of God in Jesus Christ. I've seen people start well in this, and then they fail to continue, and they lose the little they thought they had. And the problem is, a lot of times you can lose it and not even know you've lost it until it's too late. It's a sobering reminder for us. And it's not because God is angry. It's not because God is going to disown you. It's not because God is mean-spirited. But I like to think it's a little bit like God treating me like my dad did. If my dad gave me a tool and I took care of that tool, I got to keep it and use it. If my dad gave me a tool and one day he found it lying out in the back garden out in the rain, rusting, he would take it away and I wouldn't get it back. If my dad saw that I had let the oil run down in the car so that it was almost out of oil, he'd fill the oil up, but I couldn't drive the car. And I think God does a lot the same way with us, not in meanness, not in anger, but to teach us how to exercise this faith stewardship. We have this responsibility. Every single one of us has a faith stewardship. And every single one of us can hear from the Lord, but we need to apply faith to that hearing. And the good news in all of that is that the exercise of our faith stewardship, in the end, it's not up to us. Yes, we have to take responsibility. Yes, we have to be careful how we, we hear. Because if we have and we're careful with it and we exercise faith, we'll get more. 
But at the same time, Jesus Christ is with us. He died on the cross. He canceled the power of sin in our lives. He rose from the dead so that we could have life. He's given us relationship with our Heavenly Father, a relationship of love and care and compassion, and yes, a relationship of stewardship, but God has also given us His Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, who empowers us to exercise our faith stewardship in ways that will bring glory and honor to Jesus, in ways that people will genuinely experience the love of God in Jesus Christ. God is doing all these things in us, by his grace and for his glory. And that means that with confidence, we can step into our faith stewardship, knowing that the little that we have, the little ability that we have, God can work in us to multiply it. And even in our weakness, God can accomplish amazing things. Let's pray. Lord God, I do pray that you would give us all a revelation of our faith stewardship. Lord, show us, whether it's big or small, it doesn't matter. Whether it's primarily within the walls of the church gathering or outside the walls of the church gathering, whatever it is, Lord, or in all of those places, give us revelation, Lord. Give us revelation about our faith stewardship and help us to exercise it by faith. And Lord, help us to be a people who hear with faith so that not only are we hearing, but also we're applying faith to what we hear so that we step out and act to bring glory and honor to you. And Father, I thank you for showing such love for us in the cross and the empty tomb. Thank you that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we might be saved by grace through faith in him. Thank you that we have victory over sin, death, and hell. Thank you that the world has no hold on us. Thank you that we are not subject to the power of Satan, but we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And thank you that we can come together and remember all the wonders Christ has wrought for us even as we share the Lord's Supper. I pray, Father God, that you bless this bread and this cup, that they would be truly for us the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, broken and shed on the cross. Use them to draw us close to you. Use them to remind us of our union with you in Christ Jesus and our union with one another in Christ Jesus. Use them to strengthen us and empower us, fill us with your spirit yet again so that we might go forth exercising our faith stewardship from a pure heart, a clean conscience, and a sincere faith. All to the glory and honor of Jesus. For we pray it all in his name. Amen.